listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Coming up on Wednesday, May 31st, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, I'll be holding my course, Be Sure, DIR 402, Supporting, Understanding, and Respecting the Expectations of Parents for Practitioners. Children tend to be the topic of therapeutic intervention, but a good intervention depends entirely on their caregivers. This three-hour course will explore the relationship with caregivers in the process of a client relationship. Topics covered will include the spectrum of parents, meeting parents where they are by understanding their process and their journey, and how you can be the supportive and understanding practitioner whom caregivers trust and feel confident in. This course will help you raise your awareness and build your capacity for respecting the spectrum of families you see in your practice. To see the learning objectives or to find out how to get continuing education credits, go to affectautism.com under the events tab or at icdl.com under the courses tab. Welcome listeners, I am Daria Brown and I am here this week with Gabriela Michaca who is in Los Cabos, Mexico. She is a licensed school neuropsychologist and also just received her master's in occupational therapy. She is also a DIR expert training leader, and she recently presented at the International ICDL Conference on DIR Floor Time in New York City about parenting styles and how to apply floor time coaching with each style. And I thought, what a great podcast to have, given that I facilitate ICDL's parent support group. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast work with parents, coach parents all of the time when they're doing floor time with their clients. So this was such an interesting presentation. I was so glad I attended it. I'm very happy to have you as my guest, Gabriella. Thank you, Daria. Thank you for the invitation. It's interesting to see how, depending on how much energy you have and how is your emotional development, you will tend to have any of these kind of parenting styles. So which of them makes you feel more secure is what we are going to figure out. When parents are stressed is when this kind of parenting styles are more present or you are very permissive and you allow them to make everything they want or you become more rigid, more aggressive or maybe behavioral driven. And that makes a lot of stress on parents and on children. We are a dynamic system. And that's why I want to bring up this into the floor time frame of reference, because we talk about FEDCs one and two, what are co-regulation, self-regulation and engagement. And depending on how much energy you have, sometimes you may go into the authoritarian part you being like very rigid and you want to put the limits and sometimes you withdraw the affection to to have compliance on the child and sometimes you might go the other way. It depends a lot of how much energy you have at that moment. So you can be like more permissive and let them be and don't withdraw the affect. So you can time sometimes you can switch from one to another one. I heard you say that depending on our own regulation as parents we can, you know, be more or less regulated at the first functional emotional developmental capacity of being self-regulated and, and sharing attention. If, if we're dysregulated, we might become more authoritarian or more permissive to cope ourselves, but then we're also impacted by the functional emotional developmental capacities, the FEDCs of our children, if they are dysregulated and if if we if they're regulated and then we get engagement and then we move into the third back and forth communication, all of that. So mm -hmm. it's this whole dynamic system. <laughs> yes. So you cannot see just the child different from the children, the parents, and not just the parents, because it's interesting to see how when we play, we like different kinds of play. So for some parents. Being in a more sensory motor play, it's more dysregulating. Or being seated in the playground and just making maybe pretend play, it's more dysregulating. So that's why it's very important to set the level of play to the child FEDCs and the parent FEDCs. This is so interesting. So let's go through the three parenting styles 
Let's start with the first one, authoritarian. And I remember learning about these styles in my uh, psychology courses in my undergraduate as well. Um, so this is a nice review for me. So let's start with the authoritarian. So Pomfrin described it as a small controls and evaluated behavior according to his beliefs and absolute expectations. Usually their motivation is more theological and the authority is pyramidal. So obedience is value as a virtue and favors punishment and coercity. So usually the child's actions are judged. There's a lot of judgment here on good or bad. And the parent likes to feel respected and they like a lot of work and the perseverance. So they don't usually encourage dialogue. So the parent feels that the child should accept their words as correct. So they have a lot of demands on house course and they are restricted and they give a little uh, autonomy. So they use the, his power and his firmness and gives few explanations and it's very rigid in, in their position. So they can, they tend to be viable in his cognitive of use of discipline, but withdraws love. And that's a hard thing that usually happens here. So I want you to imagine that these parents used to be in high arousal. So it's interesting to, to know what triggers them to go to fight or flight mode. That it's usually the mode they, they work on. In short attention, the parent's attention is focused on his expectations or tax or task rules. So they are a lot in their minds. So the, the caregivers directs the play and does not take into account the leadership of the child. So this is the, the parent who is always trying to show you how much they know. So they encourage discipline through this punitive control. So they are usually inconsistent in withdrawing uh, affection as a form of control to achieve obedience. So they are very behavioral based. And the problem is that they usually have this aggressive or poker based affect phase. So it's difficult for the children to read them. Usually they are very verbal, so they initiate most of the interactions and they pay little attention to the nonverbal cues of the child. So usually they are very obstructive when they play. And as a complex communication share problem solving, if the child does not do what they're expecting, the parent becomes frustrated. So they become very verbal, very rigid, and they try to solve the problem. So they don't give a lot of time to the child to, to solve the problem. So if they don't like the play, usually they end up the play. So when we go to the symbolic ideas, the parent has an idea in his mind. For example, if they want to play, there's a, a, a play called Ford in line, where you have to stack the, the coins. And that's uh, the rule of the game. They won't allow a different way to play the game. So that's why they insist a lot on the rules. So usually this kind of parenting style does not recognize their own emotions. So usually they project their emotions and their judgments to the child during the play. So they do a lot of excessive comments about the causes and the consequence based on their rules. So one of the things that they struggle more is that they start judging and assuming what happens in the play. And sometimes they don't allow the child to share his own experience. And as we know, children need a lot of narrative so they can understand what they are doing. And sometimes their play is difficult to understand because they don't have a clear idea of the play. So these parents becomes very frustrated and that makes that they lose the ability to regulate themselves, become more polarizing their judgments and have intense emotions during the play. So the problem here is that self-reflection is very rigid and with a lot of judgments. So 
the problem here is that they end the play or they're unable to understand the, the child's behavior or their intentions. So they will lose this back and forth communication dialogue using questions and they tend to lecture a lot the children. So let's move into the opposite spectrum, uh, the permissive parent. Okay, so the permissive parent, it's the opposite one. So it's not punishing, affirmative to, towards the child's impulses and accepts his wishes and actions. And the parent consults all parenting policies and explains family rules. So they give a lot of explanations. So for them, work as a resourceful to try to get what he wants, not as an active agent responsible of how he shapes his future and, and actions. So they allow the child to regulate their activities and avoids exercising control. So they don't exercise control. They don't like that. So they don't motivate them to obey and they don't define standards of course of, of conduct. So they are usually non-punitive disciplinary practices. They have a few demands on the household course and they allow a lot of autonomy. So gives a lot of opportunities of dialogue. They are lax in the rules and they're, the problem here is how they use the affect because they are very variable. They, they are very inconsistent. So the child does not know what to expect about them. So that's how they usually work. And if we look their FEDCs, at the level of co-regulation, the parent tolerates the child's regulation difficulties without containment. So why? Just try to reframe why a parent can't co-regulate if he's not regulated. And this is when we start talking about the stress and sometimes the lack of energy they have. So in the shared attention, most of the parents are dispersed or passive and with little contingency with the child showing permissiveness. So I'm wondering here what the permissiveness means, okay? So in engagement, the, the parent is consistent when withdrawing affection and the parent gives more autonomy and has an indifferent affection towards the child needs of closeness. So I'm wondering a lot what's happening in this parent which might not be aware of what's going around him or maybe they are more like a, if, we look, if we look to the in their arousal they might be frozen or disassociated. So maybe most of these parents are in a very stressed state. So also in the back and forth simple communication there are little contingent on his answers in the play. And sometimes the answers are not very logical. So they perceive the nonverbal cues, but they don't know what to do. So they don't use the obstructive play to encourage the child to interact in the right level of play. So they are usually going like lower in the level of play. So they don't try they, they don't challenge the child in his fair demands and do not motivate them to solve problems together. So sometimes they wait too long and does not organize play activities according to the child's ability. And in the symbolic ideas, the, the parent does not bring new ideas to the game and does not expand on the child's contributions. So they are more disorganized in the role playing. And of course, that the parents allows unregulated expression of the child's emotion and does not establish these logical cause and effect relationships. So also here, when we talk about alternative perspectives, the parent projects his own experiences onto the others and does not provide questions to understand the different perspectives of, of the child. And of course, in the great thinking area, they are more ambivalent and have polarized emotions and sometimes dissociation. So their abilities for self-reflection, they can be more disorganized and neglecting, allowing a poor modulated expression of affect. 
So usually they can also interrupt the play and because it goes against the natural consequence of intense emotions. So it's it's more inconsistent for the for the child to know what's going to happen next. And that's so, so that's confusing. Yeah, that's so confusing for the child because um, their parent um, really wants to make them happy and wants everything to go smooth, but then they're not necessarily attuning to the child's state because they're they're distracted in their own um, state. And sometimes if they're more emotional or upset or something, then they're different with their child. And so, like you said, the child doesn't know what to expect. Um, so like the title says, permissive, they're, they're a little bit more permissive and the child is sort of on their own and they're not able to really meet the child where they're at, attune and challenge them at the appropriate level to get that back and forth going and moving up the FEDCs together. So that's why it's important to reframe all these concepts because these concepts come more from a behavioral standpoint of view. Mm -hmm. And this is just the tip of the, the, of the eyes. Ah, you have to help me. Tip the, of the iceberg. The ice yes, the <laughs> tip of the iceberg. So we don't know what's going on in under the surface. And this is just why, what we see. Yep. Yes. So thinking about the FEDCs and thinking about their individual differences help us understand what they are dealing with. So we can start tapping on those levels before telling the parent do this or do that or have you wondered this or wondered that because sometimes they are not in the space for this self-reflection. So as you build with children, the FEDCs, that's something that you have to build with the parents too, but from a different perspective. So that's why mindfulness approach is very useful for this kind of, of parents. All right. So I like that last point that you made that because it was something I was thinking about while we were talking about those first two styles is these really sound negative and it sounds like we're putting a negative spin on parents. And what you said is this is the surface behavior that we see and we want to dive further, which is coming. So stay tuned people. Um, but before we go to that, uh, deeper level, the third parenting style you shared is, and I'm going to share a slide from your presentation for those watch, uh, listening on audio, you can see the slide if you check out the YouTube video or go to the blog post at affectautism.com. On today's blog post, I will share uh, this slide in the write-up. So this is the third style, the authoritative parents. Yes, and this is like the middle one, the one that it's more related. And it was described that this kind of parenting style respects the child's lead and supports activities. And they discuss the reasoning behind the parenting policies. So they have a lot of dialogue with the child so they can understand why are they doing what they do. And they have they talk about their values and they promote autonomy and self-determination in the discipline. So they exercise a firm control when there are differences between parents and children, but do not impose restrictions. And that's why here autonomy is very valued. They recognize their rights as an adult, but respects the child's interest and problem solving style. So they allow the child to figure out how they want to solve problem something. And the caregiver affirms the present qualities of the child, but raises behavioral standards toward the future, in which he studies the reason as a way to achieve the objectives. It doesn't, it does not make a group consensus for decision making, but it's still not consider infallible. So they recognize that sometimes they may do mistakes and they look for repairing them. 
So the this kind of of parenting style has a non-punitive disciplinary practice and does not use withdrawing love as a form of control to obtain obedience. Make use of explanations, promotes dialogue, and it's firm with the rules. So it makes moderate use of demands of housework restrictions and the use of power. So those are the characteristics. And if we think about the, the level arousal, they are more mindful and, and their level of arousal is more flexible. So they can recognize when they go to fight or flight or when they get frozen. So they can talk about how they feel. So this this sounds to me it sounds to me like this is a more positive parenting style versus the other two i would say it's a more co-regulated parenting style because a more co-regulated parenting because style yeah. we have always to be co-regulated but the truth is not we are not always co-regulated so this kind of parenting style is the one we have to be more mindful and sometimes mm -hmm. we can achieve that and sometimes we can't mm -hmm. because we are tired, because we are stressed or because there are a lot of things going on. And that's why be sensor informed and be trauma informed when we coach parents. It's very useful because then you stop doing judgments to them and they start understanding themselves. And that's, I think that's the, the, the goal. We yes. want to promote something different on them, but they are more mindful about who they are and why they are that way. Yes. So it, it's non-judgmental. So that's why how we address them and how we sustain them, it's an opportunity to learn how to relate different and feel more safe and secure when you when someone is helping you to raise your child. So it's like yes. more holding hands more than trying to address or change something on them. Yes. So okay. that's why co-regulation here, it's very important. And the, the parent, it's more able to provide rhythmicity, predictability, and modulate sensory inputs. So they usually are more slowly and repetitive and the parent here is more aware about how they breathe. So you can see how they modulate their breathing. I, I would say that just showing them how they breathe, there are a lot of changes they can do on how they feel. So this kind of, of parenting style leads to be more present in effective resonance with a child during the play and follow their lead so the parent it's more able to wait and also in the engagement part they show closeness empathy effective resonance during the play and it's more flexible and more regulated so the parent could be moderate in the level of restriction versus autonomy in the face of the child's needs it's more adjustable more flexible so they know when to increase or decrease the affect or when to give anticipation. So because they are more affection and more closeness, they give a lot of proprioceptive inputs and that will help the child to calm down and be more regulated. So because the parent is more in this rhythm, they make pauses, they facilitate opportunities for turn, for turn for the child and pays more attention to the child's verbal and nonverbal cues. So that allows them to be more contingent to close the circles of communication. And they usually use the obstructive play in a timely manner. So there's a mutual understanding between them. So they, they have less barriers to the communication. So I think this is one of the areas that we need more research about and also talking about the complex communication problem solving the the parent usually generates an environment of trust and they provide fair challenges so they stay together 
solving a problem and they scaffold more the activities. So they allow enough time for turn taking and they respect the individual differences of the child. So in the symbolic ideas, they understand and sometimes if they don't understand the child idea, they can wait, wonder what's the child's intention. So how they use the language is very different because they, they don't usually use adverse adjectives or prepositions. So they can build on different ideas about the child's play. So of course they support a lot the child based on empathy and the parent is more flexible to simulate ideas and emotions in the play. This is not the parent that will get mad if the child starts playing a play that it's more aggressive. They can be attuned on that aggressiveness and they will allow that, but in a more constructive way. So they use questions to elaborate cause and, and effect relationships. And because of that, they can understand the child's perspective and respect it. And in understand that this is just a play. And play, it's interesting because sometimes they confuse play with reality. And play is just this intermediate space between the fantasy and the reality when we are allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So only when they understand this alternative perspective, they can build this medium space where they can, everything is allowed. But because we both know we are playing. So the parent, it's more in the thinking, the great thinking area. They can tolerate intense emotions and they can mimic them. And if it's necessary, support the natural consequences, but in the play, not outside the play. They stay in the play. And if, for example, a child will maybe hit a character, they will show the emotion about being heated. And they will show the emotional, natural consequence about being heated. But they are still playing. They stay in the play. So they are more able to, to reflect and learn something about themselves from the level of play and communication that has with the child. So the way they communicate, it's more assertive. So that's what I would say about this kind of, of, of parents that are easy for us because there's less to coach. <laughs> yes, they've got the attunement already that we want to see. Again, I like how you're pointing out that this is sort of the surface level, the behavior that we see and now bringing these three parenting styles into the floor time framework, which was the topic of your presentation, allows us then to look at how to coach the parents to be play coaches for their children. You're listening to Affect Autism. Now let's take a quick break to hear from the International Council on Development and Learning's new board president, Emil House. He is a self-advocate in South Africa, and he's here to tell us about an upcoming event on June 2nd and 3rd, 2023, called Diversity is Phenomenal. Tell us about this exciting event, Emil. Edu360 Foundation is delighted to host with the support from ICEL. We are proud to involve our students, our staff, and teachers in this auspicious event. The symposium and the concert is all about creating awareness towards neurodiversity, breaching the gap and educating society and most importantly bringing the community of practice together to create awareness to educate and to make initial difference in the field of neurodiversity internationally listed on the website is the time in johannesburg you are six hours ahead of eastern daylight time that's at icdl.com on the top banner click learn more and it will bring you right to the website, which I'm showing right now for those watching on YouTube. I want to thank you, Emil, for putting together such a great 
group of professionals and talented neurodivergent individuals for the concert. I am so excited to see this event grow and I hope everybody will buy their tickets and attend. So definitely there's an option for everyone. We're making more inclusive. We're creating a fantastic atmosphere which will prickle the imagination of our of our guests, our participants, and it's going to be a worthwhile experience. It's going to be the first of its kind and we are making a difference together. Fantastic. I hope that listeners will support this. Again, ICDL.com at the top orange banner. Diversity is phenomenal. Now back to our podcast with Gabriella Machaca. You used the dynamic system reframing of it. And I'm showing a diagram here from your presentation, which I will put in the blog write up for those listening on audio. Check it out. Um, you'll probably have to zoom in because if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be really hard to see the small text. Yes. But I think the point is that it's not a developmental ladder. It's this dynamic system with lots of circles and arrows going around and the other way and the other way. <laughs> so would you like to describe this? And there's also a link here for a reference for those uh, that want to, to look this up. I will put the link to this um, open dynamic system reframing DIR photon approach in, in the blog post. Here, this is based on self-regulation paradigm from Stuart Shankar's work. So if you can see here, there's a lot of things happening around the parents. So the parenting style is just an occupation. That's the way we raise children. But that depends a lot on how, uh, how much they have emotional support how they have a social and cultural support system, and of course their metabolic and body functions. And that's why I start speaking this about how much energy do they have? So if I'm stressed and I have hidden stressors, like not eating well, not sleeping well, you think I'm going to play. So if I'm very stressed because I'm overworked or I have different occupations that I need time to go through. It's it's difficult sometimes to ask them for them to play. So for example, in floor time, we ask to play maybe several times a day for two to three minutes or maybe to 20 minutes. So that's why we have to think about all the system because maybe one people won't be able to meet the child's need about play. So how many support we have, it's very important to, to know because then maybe we are asking too much. So then when we talk about the co-regulation, we have to think about is this parent able to ask for help? It's in fight or flight mode? Is in dissociation or it's in a frozen state? Because then I will see their attachment pattern. So sometimes we have to ask them how they were raised so we can understand what standpoint of view they are coming from, where are their core values. And we should respect that because this is how they learn to be parents. And that's something that you were just raised. Also, then we can see if the, if the parent has problems with nonverbal communication. So how much are they aware of how we express emotions, how we express the affect? So we can start understanding how they go because that will go through the back and forth communication and the shared problem solving. So if we understand their different their differences, their individual differences, it will be easier for us to have this detective hat and know what are we going to help them go through. And sometimes we ask to be self-reflective and being self-reflective, we need everything online so we can go to know what's going on on me. So if we see this chaotic, permissive, or with this rigid, more obsessive, they won't be feeling emotions. 
and the other one will be overwhelmed. So we need to just put them in the a better space so they can start listening to us. And if we help them understand how their individual differences work, they will feel felt and they will start to understand what's happening with their child. So I love what you just said there. You said uh, the authoritarian style parent won't be feeling their emotions and the permissive parent will be overwhelmed by their emotions. And I, I think that's such a good distinction um, for people who can't see the diagram, it's it's showing on the outside parenting style, like she said, social cultural support systems, your metabolic body functions, your your occupation, um, your play occupation too, and your emotional supports that you have all impact everything in the middle, which she has down the FEDCs, the functional emotional developmental capacities. She has from co-regulation to engagement, you have that sensory modulation. And then from engagement to uh, FEDC2 to FEDC3, the back and forth communication, your attachment pattern, she was talking about how that impacts that and and going into shared problem solving, how nonverbal communication are you, are you, um, are you using that affect? And then she's, and then you're talking about um, whether or not you're be able, you're able to reflect um, if you're overwhelmed by your emotions or if you're not feeling your emotions, you're not really able to reflect. And so I love all those points you made that it really helps uh, when you're non-judgmental and you can really regulate and attune with the parent and help them be able to reflect and see that. And, under, and you have that compassion for everything that they're going through and how they were raised and, and what they're experiencing and why they're presenting either this authoritarian or permissive style. So this frame of reference has a lot of theory of the Siegel's, Dan Siegel's work of interpersonal neurobiology. Mm -hmm. So when you see how this goes in the mindfulness therapy, you can apply a lot of these concepts into the DIR framework because you are talking about this chaotic or this rigid, and this is a lack of integration from your, one is not feeling and the other is feeling overwhelmed. And that will affect your memory, will affect your emotions, the way you remember things, the way you have a sense of yourself. So what happens when we see, I, I talk about the, the projections during the play, how they project their own conflicts on the, the and how the, the child play, they start seeing themselves as separate. And one of the examples I use very frequent to, to explain this is that I would say to the parent, okay, you say that you have the truth and, and these ideas are the good ones and there's nothing else. That's your lens. So, okay, show me an apple. So I raise my hand and say, what color is your apple? Tell me a color. Oh, you're asking me? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, I thought you were giving an example. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say um, my apple's green. Okay, my apple is jello. Okay, give me your apple. Okay, here's my green apple to your yellow. I don't see anything. Where's where's the, where's the apple? Here. No, I don't see anything. I see your hand. Where <laughs> is the apple? It's in my imagination. Yes, it's in your head. So there's just a conceptualization of the apple in your head. That's an idea. Mm -hmm. So ideas are always truth. And that's when the parent starts reflecting. Oh, so I ask how much you believe on your ideas. So that's when they realize that ideas are just a way to understand reality. So that's your own interpretation of reality. So 
there might be other interpretations too, like my apple is yellow. So I, I help them understanding that we have different uses of language. So, okay, I can say a judgment. If I say you are ugly, tell me where's the ugliness? Yeah, I liked, say, I liked this example. You gave this example at um, the presentation and, and asked some of the audience members. So when I say ugly, tell me where is the ugliness? I can tell you are wearing a jacket that it's long sleeve, that it's black, and you have a blue shirt. But I don't know how you feel on your blue shirt. Because that's your experience, it's not mine. I would say it's comfortable, but I haven't touched it. I haven't seen it. So I don't know your experience about wearing your blue shirt. Mm -hmm. So that's when we assume things of the other one and we are not certain and we don't have the certainty. And that's where we start wondering. So this is about wondering experience in other people's mind. And that leads us to the double empathy problem that happens with autistics. So the way I process information might be different the way that you perceive. And the things that I put attention and I make them relevant could be different from yours. So who is not understanding who? right yeah the therapist the parent or the child so that's why we have to put everyone in the equation we are an open system yes um yes it's a very interesting slide um and it it goes to show how there is no one prescription for floor time because parents really, especially when they're new and they come in, they, what do I do, you know, to fix things? Because that's the impression they get is that there's all these problems that need to be fixed. And as you start to learn more about floor time, you see that it's, it's this larger dynamic process and the system with so many moving parts and so many variables and each variable is not static. Each variable is dynamic. And then they're all changing all the time as well with each other. So it it's, it is such a complex thing. And we can just sort of add these guidelines and helpful frameworks around it to help understand how we can support parents and help parents understand how they can support their children, et cetera, et cetera. And the reflection to help ourselves as well so it's very complex to to understand and sometimes for example when we start being floor timers we need to be like very rigid on the developmental fedcs because we need to understand them but once you get into the 202 the 203 or the 204 you start digging and digging and digging and finding a lot of concepts that you need to understand and integrate mm -hmm. to really start figuring out in the moment what the family needs at that precise moment. So yes. it's not a prescribed intervention. Absolutely not. Um, in the podcast I did a month or so ago with Dr. Gordon Newfeld, he said, um, about his own attachment theory, but similar to similar to what Floor Time says, it's an insight approach. It's not really a strategy approach. It's about insight. Yeah. It's how you make changes and people start to be more aware of who they are and build their own identity with their own core values. So what we do is just hold hands and help them find their way. Yes. It's not my way, it's their way. So 
we are not trying to meet goals or developmental goals. We have to respect a lot this neurodivergent development. And that's why I was also thinking about how to reflame the, the levels of play in this population because they have different milestones at different times and the way they express it, it's completely different. So we have to take out that developmental view that we were trained especially maybe 20, 30 years ago. And we have to start rethinking about that too. So for me, this has been a great experience because it has helped me to see all the things I don't know. Yes. And I need to ask <laughs> autistic people so they can help me understand them better. Yes, the more we learn, the more we realize we need to learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So do you have any final tips for parents who are listening and they say, oh boy, I think I was too authoritarian with my child. Oh boy, I think I was too permissive with my child. I, I want to be more like the authoritative type that you're talking about. Um, you're, you were sort of reframing it uh, in floor time terms and talking about coaching and making that awareness, but if there's parents out there who don't necessarily have access to a coach, what kind of tips would you give them as they are reflecting? Or, I mean, I guess the first tip is to sort of sit and reflect and, and think about the way that you are feeling when you're playing with your child and notice, notice things in yourself that come up. I think that, the first suggestion will be be mindful to yourself and look yourself with softer eyes. It's like we don't have the perfect parenting style. This moves through time. So be mindful and take care of yourself. That means if you need to sleep, if you need to eat, if you need to make exercise, give you time to do all that because if you are not metabolic in a good state, you won't face appropriately the stress that maybe you have in your daily life. And I would say that's my first recommendation always. Be mindful and be kind with yourself. Also, be flexible because this is a learning process. That means that we will make a lot of mistakes before we have our first intervention and maybe say this works. So it's sometimes a trial and an error process that we need to understand and do this detective work of what works and what might not work. And if it doesn't work, why it doesn't work? We put our detective hat and we start looking for stressors. Also, I would say that we have to be aware of the language that we use. And it's like, be careful of what you think, be careful of what you said, and be careful of what you feel. Because sometimes uh, the use of a lot of judgments will have an impact on your feelings and your emotions and on your cognition. So, And, you and would you say judgments of yourself, judgments of your children, or both? Both. Judgments... Yeah. In general, because if I say ugly, if I say fat, if I say mean words, guess who is receiving all that feeling, all that energy? The moment I'm thinking of them, I'm feeling them. So that's what I would say. It's suffering. Because maybe you have a pain, but the pain goes away. But if you hook it to uh, a thought, it will be in your head all the time. So if you start thinking, I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad parent, that won't help. Guilty is not useful. So I would say that we have to give us time to learn. This is not an easy approach. It's from the inside. So just have time to learn and enjoy the process. Be patient with yourself and with the child. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabriella. Um, I thought this was such a unique way of looking at parenting because usually we're just talking about parents as a big group. But when you start to think about different styles and, and, you know, it makes us, it reminds us of the individual differences of parents and how much that impacts their capacities to be floor timers with their children and the impact it has on the children. And then that loops back. So um, being more mindful and aware, I hear you say, um, being mindful of all of these things as a provider, as a parent, and reflecting on that and being easy on ourselves, less judgmental. Exactly. We have a story, we have a background. We are the product of a lot of things that we have to look back and just give a little bit of acceptance to let us be in the present. We can continue working through the process. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. And look up parenting styles and coaching in floor time. You will find the slides that I shared if you were watching the video or if you were just heard it on audio and you want to see them. And I will put links to past podcasts that we referred to where we've talked about these kinds of things before, if you want to delve into it further and uh, develop your floor time skills. So thank you so much, Gabriella. I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for the invitation. And this is a really great experience. Thank you, Larry. Until next time, here's to choosing play and experiencing joy every day. Let's hear from the International Council on Development and Learning's new board president, Emil House, and he's here to tell us about an upcoming event on June 2nd and 3rd, 2023, called Diversity is Phenomenal. Edu360 Foundation is delighted to host, with the support from ICDL, the symposium and the concert, all about creating awareness towards neurodiversity. First off, we are going to have a much-anticipated symposium. The symposium will basically bring the community of practice together. The much-anticipated Diversity Phenomena concert will also be on the 2nd of June, where we will bring talents together, neurodiverse talents, to celebrate the wonderful gifts of neurodiversity. Do you know what's brilliant about this event, especially the concert? We are showcasing the wide variety of talents when you think about music, when you think about comedy, when you think about dancing, when you think about arts, we are accommodating and showcasing the unique talents of neurodiverse individuals in this event. ICDL.com at the top orange banner. Diversity is phenomenal. Just like you, Emil. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>